0: It's not calling you Josh Frydenberg, it's calling you Dosh Frydenberg.
1: Under the coalition, taxes for hard-working Australians will always be lower. You know, I I don't hold a mate, and I I don't give the control room. They're answers that only can come from Victoria, I'm afraid, because that's not my job. But I ain't spending any time, because in the meantime, every three months, I person was torn to pieces by a crocodile in North Queensland
0: well good day listeners and welcome once again to the two Jacks it's episode 63 uh, we've been going a lot longer than that but this is where we look at all matters Australian politics and media and uh, and then have a good look around the world uh, to see what's going on there and joining me as usual is Hong Kong Jack G'day, mate how are you I'm excellent that's very good to hear. Now, it's the 29th of February, Jack, a, a leap uh, year day, one that only occurs once every four years. Surely, surely that is cause for a public holiday in Hong Kong.
1: No, uh, we haven't got a public holiday no. here. Perhaps they don't know about it because they used to learn a calendar. Uh, um, yeah, well, uh, some, there you Some, go. some of, <laughs> some of the WAGs... Some of the wags in Australian politics were suggesting that when we're looking for a new day for Australia, Day, you that know, the 29th of February might be
0: up. Yeah, well, only once every four years. Look, we'd like to uh, wish everyone a happy birthday. Who, who's born on the 29th of February? It must be a must be a difficult thing to handle, only having a birthday once every four years. What would you do? Would you go for the 28th and just lie about it? Um, or, uh, or just wait uh, for every, uh, every fourth year to come around to have your birthday? Well, you'd pin your ears back on the 29th, wouldn't you? you know, it'd be yeah, a big you one. Really, you should really need to let loose, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Uh, look, kicking us off today um, is uh, some uh, remarks made by, um, or a, a speech made by uh, ASIO boss, Mike Burgess, uh, who has indicated, among other things, that, uh, that there was a former MP, federal MP, uh, who he believes had, basically betrayed his country and become a spy for a foreign power. We don't know who that foreign power is and we don't know who that MP is and Burgess won't say. Um, uh, But it seems that uh, um, Peter Dutton believes uh, he said he's got his money on it being a Labor MP. Um, There may be some... uh, Maybe some, uh, some wisdom in that, we don't know. Um, he may not even be subject to the briefing that indicates who that person is. Um, and uh, uh, his uh, Home Affairs spokesperson, James Patterson, Senator Patterson, has uh, suggested uh, that um, we should not speculate on who that person is. Uh, rather, we should be concentrating on the fact that MPs are
1: wide open to be subjected to this kind of pressure. Jack. Yeah, um, the uh, this won't be the first uh, foreign agent to sit, to sit in the Australian Parliament. Oh, really? Um, there have been there has been gossip the there. Now, what have we, who have we got? You, you well, don't so have to I, know well, names, so. but uh, but well, when did this well, happen? Well, so I believe, um, uh, even even perhaps in cabinet, um, and and the, this was managed um, by um, uh, it was a Labor person. Um, and the Prime Minister had no choice as to who sat in Cabinet because in those days the um, Cabinet positions were um, by election uh, within the caucus, so they were stuck with this person. And as I understand it, they managed this by keeping the particular minister away from national security issues. Um, I'm just a bit surprised that the ASIO boss is sort of saying this in public. They used to... These things used to be the subject of gossip around Parliament House, but they well, were not it often, is now. Yeah, um, not often put on the public record. Um, uh, this is where, this, we pay ASIO a lot of money. This is the stuff that they're supposed to know about and supposed to be able to brief politicians of both sides about, so that you know the, the leaders at least know what's going on. But- I would see at this
0: stage that um, that the opposition has not been briefed. That would be that would indicate, you know, Dutton using terms like um, um, I'll, "I have my money on it" being a Labor MP, a former Labor MP, um, and also Patterson's remarks that we shouldn't speculate. And Burgess, Burgess actually did talk about um, our terrorist threats. He believes they, they remain significant, um, with the most likely perpetrators being. Uh, those who have fallen into Sunni extremism, um, um, but he also mentioned um, uh, race hate groups. Um, so we're talking about the extreme right in Australia here, uh, driving towards some um, some awful episode that will split Australians on 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 racial grounds, on ethnic grounds. Um, all of those are significant, and and Burgess, of of course, says that it's not just politicians but people, senior bureaucrats, senior business people um, uh, who are prone to uh, uh, this kind of persuasion. Uh, It it often comes from a a simple LinkedIn message, Jack.
1: Yeah, Uh, Uh, well, um, I I would expect our foreign (laughs) um, uh, intelligence service, ACES, to be doing this sort of work, and we should expect um, uh, uh, other countries to be doing it in Australia. All right.
0: Uh, Well, that won't be the last we hear of this particular story um, because uh, the gossip will uh, rise to fever pitch. It'll be very interesting to see um, our question time over the next few days and weeks. Um, uh, In the meantime, Jack Scott Morrison uh, wandered off into the sunset and... uh, uh, in the Australian, at least, Paul Kelly and Greg Sheridan said that history will treat him kindly. Uh, what do you do? You think Scott Morrison will be treated kindly uh, by the history books, Jack? Firstly, I don't know whether did you did you see any of his farewell speech in Parliament? Yeah, I did. It was uh, it was uh, an emotional Scott Morrison, particularly emotional around the time. Uh, Uh, that he recalled uh, a a car accident involving the the, the prime ministerial vehicle and others uh, where where it left a number of staffers injured. Um, He became quite emotional about all of that. Um, He said he also wanted to be remembered... Uh, He he also aimed to be the sort of ex-Prime Minister that Julia Gillard is, and by that I I presume he means that he doesn't want to be um, interfering in domestic politics um, um, from time to time, as some
1: of the exes have. Or or consumed by bitterness, as some of the exes have. Um, The... uh I, I wasn't counting, but I'm told that, that it got up to 11 mentions of Taylor Swift um, in his farewell speech. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think was, he'd been to three of the shows. Yeah, which I thought family. was s- slightly bizarre. Um, uh, and his successor, um, Anthony Albanese, um, was very kind to him in his remarks as well. Yeah, but how will he be seen? I mean, we
0: talked about this last week, and I raised the spectre of um, Billy McMahon, who's – Arguably, our worst prime minister, Morrison, unlike McMahon, won an election. Um, he was dealt a pretty cruel hand. I, I, I would say that he didn't expect to win in 2019, and nor did his party. And they uh, and they woke up uh, after the election day, said, "Gee, we're in power again. Uh, what are we going to do now?" And that stayed like that for a little while until, of course, the pandemic hit. And um, and I know a lot of people would be very angry with Morrison over some perhaps of the pandemic management overreach, the closure of the country um, to, uh, to immigration, to overseas travellers, to Australians returning home. It's, it was seemed to be pretty harsh. But in his defence, we really didn't have... Um, the pandemic measures in place, the the
1: quarantine facilities available to to do anything else. Yeah, um, he's far from far from the worst prime minister, and um, uh, he's not really in Billy McMahon's league. I think Mill- Billy is a, um, a has a strong lead in that race. Early um, clubhouse you know, leader. Yeah, he's the early clubhouse leader in that. Um, uh, Morrison's government will be treated reasonably kindly. It wasn't particularly good or particularly bad, um, but Morrison he himself has something that will hang around his neck forever, and that is the the multiple ministries he appointed himself yeah. to. I think that's yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be that's one that's very not hard. easily explained. No, yeah, but but he's he's right in his approach to the future. Julia Gillard really is sort of the gold standard at the moment for former Prime Ministers, along with John Howard, I I might add. um, uh, Howard gets stuck
0: into politics and campaigning, and and, and I've got no problem with that, but but Julia Gillard has withdrawn and hasn't basically come out to lambast her uh, her foes uh, from within her party. She did as she said she was going to do if she lost... The spill motion. She was going to retire and
1: uh, and do so gracefully, and, and go on and do other things. So, yeah. but neither of them are consumed with bitterness um, uh, about um, their demise, uh, which was an improvement on um, everybody else of, of recent times. Um, and neither of them have um, uh, been out chilling for. Uh, foreign governments or companies in foreign places, um, like some of them have been. So, wow! Um, you, you look at the you look at the uh,
0: the Morrison ministry, and uh, there's a there's a few out there shilling jack for, uh, for yeah, oh, exactly. Yes, yeah. And, and, this is and, not a it's nothing. There's nothing illegal about that. This, you would question the ethics of it, but there's nothing illegal about that and, and politicians need to go and earn a quid and they have developed a great deal of expertise in certain areas. Um, I know the Greens and, and some of the crossbenchers are talking about putting a limit or, or a period of time before, um, before uh, let's say, retired ministers of the Crown can, can engage in consultancy
1: and I think there's got a fair fair bit going for it, doesn't it? Uh, it does um, uh, as would restoring the old um, uh, uh, parliamentary pension uh, scheme I think that getting rid of that was a mistake yeah yeah I think so too um, and uh, that was the Mark Latham and John Howard me too movement Jack yeah uh, look look at what happens in the United States well, I think senators get less than get about hundred and eighty thousand uh, a year us in in the Senate yeah right? um, uh, they all get a lot richer than you would expect people on 180000 yeah, to get. That's and, the good reason, isn't it? That's You've yeah. got
0: to remunerate politicians properly. Um, otherwise, you do
1: have potential issues around corruption. Yeah, and we don't want Australian politicians and ministers thinking, well, my career as a politician is about to end. How can I use my current position to ensure that I've got a steady income in the future, we don't want that. We don't want them to have to think about that.
0: Mm. Well, at least the gaming industry does provide, Jack. You know, um, uh, it's a retirement village for a great many politicians, particularly those on the Labor side. God bless the gaming uh, as industry, it, Jack.
1: As, as is the superannuation industry. Yeah, yeah,
0: indeed. Uh, lots of board positions there. Um, Speaking of corruption, Jack uh, Gladys Berejiklian is before the New South Wales Court of Appeal, seeking to clear her name uh, over an ICAC finding uh, that she had engaged in corrupt conduct, uh, with, but without, with the ICAC report, did not um, uh, did not. Uh, uh, re- re- required or, or did not um, uh, suggest any criminal offences had occurred, but uh, had declared that she had um, acted corruptly. The two-day hearing um, uh, was an odd one, Jack. Well, there were there were, <coughs> on the first day, Brett Walker for uh, Gladys Berdjikian told the uh, uh, the the court that. Um, the retirement of uh, ICAC Assistant Commissioner Judge Ruth McColls, that that her term ending um, uh, before the report was complete might make um, uh, uh, ICAC uh, to have reported outside its authority, Jack.
1: Yeah, uh, I I read that and nearly fell off my chair. That's an extraordinary error, if it's true. If it's true, yeah. It's a claim made in court. It wasn't that she was retired. It it was that her term expired. Uh, um, Uh, I've um, I've been through the... I was never in such an exalted role as as an ICAC commissioner, but I was a federal um, uh, tribunal member for 10 years, and... I can still remember the uh, the date the term ended, June 4th, 2004. And um, they were downsizing the tribunal, so it was about 20 or 25 of us finishing up the same day. And we all understood that any decision you are going to make, any findings that you were going to make, had to be f- signed off on and received the stamp from the tribunal before 5 o'clock that night. Otherwise, they expired with you. No one had to tell us this. We just all knew it. Um, So it's extraordinary to think that ICAC would make an error like that.
0: We shall see. uh, The the Court of Appeal, New South Wales Court of Appeal, will make its determinations in, uh, I think, there's several months away before that happens. Um, On the other side of the coin is that... uh, um, uh, the argument has been made that Gladys Berejiklian was influenced by serial pest, that's a quote, um, put forward to uh, to the New South Wales Court of Appeal. Uh, Daryl Maguire was a serial pest um, uh, and uh, relate to those findings uh, made by the ICAC um, around her conduct between 2016 and 2018. So we shall see how that all goes, Jack. How significant is it really? It's really just a reputational issue for Gladys Berejiklian going forward, isn't it? There's nothing that will arise out of
1: it, out of the New South Wales Court of Appeals verdict, that will change much at all. Um, She just doesn't want to go to her grave with a a corruption finding against her, and fair enough, too.
0: Yeah. Okay. It it may. uh, There may be other consequences for ICAC, if indeed... Um, uh, what was uh, put forward by Brett Walker is the case that uh, uh, that uh, the retirement of the Assistant ICAC Commissioner um, uh, without a, a report being completed uh, might uh, might cause some administrative um, review uh, and uh, and some changes in the ICAC uh,
1: within the ICAC Jack. Um, uh, well, the, the, the best change they could make with ICAP would be to tear the whole thing up and start again.
0: Yeah, look, I, obviously we're just moving on now. The um, that's what you think. I mean, I, I'm not sure yep. that I actually believe it, but um, uh, as a journalist, I think something like the ICAP. Compared to the IBAC, I mean, you could barely get anything out of the IBAC, and that's the way it's been constructed at the Victorian equivalent. But the ICAC is juicy with news, Jack. Um, perp walks and all sorts of fun for journalists. Um, but moving on to energy, uh, I, I noticed a Chris Mitchell uh, police court Your Eye. I read that piece on Monday, um, uh, and, and 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 Chris uh, references a number of um, European countries in particular that are that are walking away from um, uh, zero emissions technologies. Uh, uh, vehicle manufacturers like Volvo and Renault are walking away from their EVs uh, from their EV production. Um, um, but uh, and we'll, we'll get to EVs in a moment. Um, uh, are we? Are we putting all the eggs in the renewables basket? I think that was pretty much his view. That's Chris Mitchell, the um, uh, um,
1: and, and and complaining that journalists took that view themselves. Um, uh, I, I read it and was wondering whether he's a podcast listener, uh, Chris Mitchell, because we've talked about this before. His most important point was to note that um, yes, that the, there is a growth in renewable use. But that growth is happening slower than the rise in overall energy use. So in fact, even though renewables are growing, the amount of fossil fuel use is also still growing, at a, albeit at a much more smaller level. But yeah. the, renewable, the, the growth in renewables is not taking away from the use of fossil fuels. It's just helping keep pace with the growth in energy overall. Growth in energy and demand, we, and, yeah. And you, you yeah. and I have spoken about this before. We've quoted International Energy Agency figures that, the, that, that support this. Um, so I think he's right. Um, you wouldn't know this if you were reading the Australian media, but there's a lot of sound and fury about how important renewables are, but they aren't that important. Um, look,
0: definitely part of the mix, and I'd always say that uh, renewables are always going to be cheaper because no one has to shovel stuff into a furnace. Um, that, mm. That's that that that's part of the problem. You've got to extract the coal, you've got to extract the gas, you got to chuck it in the furnace to make it all work. Um, um, there are big issues for EVs that are emerging, Jack. Um, just moving on, moving on a little bit. Um, uh, Apple. I don't know if you saw this, but Apple has spent billions in development of an electric electric vehicle. And this week, they announced that they were ceasing ceasing production. Well, basically, production hadn't started, but they had a number of prototypes out there. Um, and I think the uh, um, I think there are over a thousand employees working for Apple on EV production. Most of them have been shuffled off now into sort of emerging technology stuff. But so Apple has given up on it. Mercedes has said it's backtracking on its EV commitment um and uh, and we'll continue manufacturing gas powered cars that's petrol uh, powered cars well into the 2030s the internal combustion engine jack um I think this is looking more and more like the head of Toyota, Mr. Toyota has got it pretty right that that the real growth in sales comes around hybrids, non-rechargeable
1: hybrids. Uh, I think that's right. That seems to be the way. And I think Toyota was right about it. Yeah, sorry, go. I mean, I I think Toyota was right about this. That that, that, the um, the, either the plug-in hybrids or the straight electronic vehicles, electric vehicles, have um, problems that don't look like being solved. Terrible in cold weather. Know the, the 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 battery range drops away to almost nothing when 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 it when the weather gets like cold like it does in Northern Europe or Northern America in the north. Yeah, Northern oh America. look,
0: it's 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 not just that, but there. Um, and we'll get to supply chains in a minute, but there are uh, a great. I mean, the, the the batteries themselves require a great deal of lithium. They require a great many rare metals that are very becoming increasingly difficult to find. Australia does have the largest deposits of lithium anywhere in the world. So there are opportunities there for our mining um, industry. Um, But there are a number of other rare metals that are extracted often in pretty ordinary sort of circumstances uh, in places like um, uh, Central Africa, um, um, Zaire, and I think I've got the the name of the country wrong, uh, the old Zaire perhaps, um, uh, the DRC, I think, is what I'm looking for. Um, and in other parts of the world, where mining the, the, uh, the, employment the, conditions the, are ter- just ter- terrible, the cobalt mines you're talking about. Uh, I think there's also, yeah. Look, it might be the cobalt mines that, yeah, and and you know, routinely people are buried in, uh, while extracting it almost by hand. Hmm. Um, Kids. Kids extracting it by hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not always that else. Um, but here's probably probably a big story of the, of the week, Jack. Um, and Reuters reports that Tesla and Volvo have shut down production over the Red Sea shipping crisis. So this is not so much an energy issue. This is the fact that a great many tankers are being... Told not to go through the Red Sea because of Houthi missile attacks, uh, and um, and they're go- having to go around the um, Horn of Africa and up to Europe that way, which is going to cause a great deal of problems. A great deal of problem, not just for um, uh, uh, EV manufacturing or even motor vehicle manufacturing. The prospects of this, you know, becoming in you know. Causing great global inflationary pressures. One, you have a, a sharp rise in uh, marine uh, petroleum, uh, so it's it's more expensive to move the tankers around, and then they're going further, which is going to cause significant delays in the short term, but also additional costs uh, for manufacturers in Western Europe if this issue with Red Sea, with the, with the Houthis in the Red Sea, is not resolved. Um, so we've got Tesla shutting down in, uh, in Belgium and, uh, and, and Berlin uh, and uh, Volvo
1: shutting down in their uh, headquarters as well. Uh, the, the, the Red Sea problem also extends to undersea cables. Uh, it's believed that the, um, uh, that the Houthis and perhaps the Russians were involved in uh, um, breaking open an, an undersea cable in the Red Sea in the last few days. I haven't heard those reports. Um, I do know that because there, um, there are major major internet uh, links that run through the Red Sea. Uh, uh, interesting. Um, I I do know, of
0: course, that the US and the UK um, launched strikes against Houthi rebels in Yemen. Um, uh, done during the week, a very very uh, convenient um, tweet was was published by US Central Command. Where they uh, acknowledged that they had, with missile strikes, taken out uh, a significant um, uh, missile firing capacity and drone strike capacity among the Houthis. Um, what I found amusing about that—perhaps not amusing, but a little bit, uh, um, a little bit uh, stunning—was that uh, uh, that there were a number of people coming in and saying that uh, the Americans were attacking Yemenis, uh, were killing civilians. Uh, the usual sort of suspects there. And then there was a fairly senior uh, spokesperson uh, for, for the Palestinian group saying that they would allow all ships to come through, provided that they weren't licensed with the US or uh, the UK.
1: Hmm. Um, um, uh, it's, it, the Red Sea problem is a problem that's going to need to be solved. It's go- It's going to need to be solved
0: by by striking harder at uh, uh, the Houthis' uh, capability. Just to explain to our listeners, they are entirely funded and armed by um, the uh, by the Iranians. Um, and so while this is absolutely necessary, you can't have this. You simply cannot have world trade uh, dislocated in this way. Um, uh, but while uh, attacks against the Houthis continue, there is again that, you know, that overall threat, the, the Middle East is such a, a complex um, and dynamic place um, that uh, the Iranians could be dragged into war. Um, certainly, it, it would indicate that the uh, the Americans are going all in with uh, with the Saudis too, Jack. Yes. Um, very interesting thing. I mean, so the Red Sea into the sewers is, is a way of, you know, um, uh, cutting basically weeks on the water for tankers, but also the the, the Panama Canal um, because of drought there, Jack. Um, uh, low water levels have basically slowed movement of tankers through the Panama Canal. So there is the real the, the, there is potentially inflationary issues arising from both instances. And it will cost more. It will, it will cost more for goods to arrive in Europe. Um, from Asia um, and elsewhere, uh, and uh, and it will take longer. Yes. All right. Over in the United States, uh, Alabama IVF treatments have been put on hold, Jack. You must have seen this. Uh, it's um, Alabama Supreme Court ruled that frozen embryos are children, Jack. They're not getting any smarter over there, are they? No, they did rule that, yes. <laughs> they did rule that. It's meant that IVF treatment places in the state of Alabama have basically put everything on hold. It, it arose from, it's just not a le- legislative issue, um, it, it, it arose from uh, a, a ruling in the Alabama Supreme Court uh, where um, the parents uh, of, um, uh, who underwent an IV, IVF procedure uh, and this sounds pretty ordinary, but I'll read it anyway. The parents alleged that in December 2020, a patient at the Mobile, 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 Alabama Hospital, where the frozen embryos were being stored, walked into the fertility clinic through an unsecured doorway and removed several embryos from the cryogenic nursery. Uh, the patient's hand was freeze-burned, by the extremely low temperatures the embryos were stored in, and the patient dropped them on the floor, killing them. I think that's probably the wrong wrong word, but uh, the CNN report couldn't find a better one. Uh, The parents sued for wrongful death, but at a trial court, uh, these claims were dismissed. Uh, But in a stunning reversal last week, the state Supreme Court disagreed, noting extra-uterine children... Or unborn children located outside of a biological uterus at the time they are killed are children, and they are covered under the state's wrongful death of a minor law.
1: Quite extraordinary, isn't it? It is. Um, I, I believe the um, the the uh, parliamentarians the. State Congress people in Alabama are moving on on this, and there has been
0: a bit of a rush of legislation to try and stop this. I did see uh, one Alabama Republican uh, member of their state Congress talk about what a wonderful decision it was. So it's not as if it's completely unanimous, um, um, but um, there there are some laws designed to to keep this uh, to to design to uh, to fix this up um uh, not their not their abortion laws but their, uh, their rather idiotic ruling of the of the supreme court the alabama mm. supreme court on this uh, and that will have to be dealt with legislatively um it's just a staggering thing it it gets back to this this is this is the issue that will kill trump i believe if this is left to fester and and abortion generally is left to fester. I think it'll be the issue that will kill him. And he, he just he'll get to a point where he simply
1: can't talk about it. He's already spoken about this on at a, at a press conference. Well, he's spoken about idea. it a
0: number of times, Jack. He, he he gloated that he was the man who made the abortion ban happen, uh, and that went over like a lead balloon. Uh, and uh, and then he uh, he he talked about a sixteen week thing because it's I think four months. He decided. 16 weeks is four months which of course it isn't
1: uh as i I, I watched the press conference about the ivf and and what he said was he supports the right of uh parents who want to have a beautiful little baby to do so through ivf it was quite straightforward
0: yeah but i think any any sort of guilt this will be sort of guilt by association and like I said when he gloated that uh, um, Roe v Wade was overturned uh, on his watch and by uh, his supreme court picks um, uh, that's going that that will go over very very poorly and and try and get and, and and will I think and we've seen this in 2020 and we to a degree and then we saw it in 2022 in the midterms there big numbers coming out to vote democrat jack um particularly among women. Um, President Biden uh, has uh, said, getting on to matters deeply presidential uh, and electoral uh, with the 2024 presidential election coming forward, he said that a number of foreign leaders have whispered in his ear saying you've got to beat Trump because if you don't, um, if you don't, then I'll have the same sort of problems with populists in my country. Uh, he said, not because I'm so special. These people said to him, you've got to, his foreign leader said to him, you've got to win because my democracy
1: is at stake if the other guy wins. Nine heads of state have done that with me, said Jay. I wonder whether that included Francois Mitterrand and Helmut Kohl. Well, who knows? Nine heads of state, who's he, who's he spoken to? He
0: speaks to pretty much everyone around the world. It could yeah. be. Um uh, and there has been a bit of a pushback against the suggestion that uh, Biden might be tapped on the shoulder in and around the uh, Democratic uh, National Convention. Uh, when is that, July or August? I think it's August, August, isn't it? August yeah. in Chicago. August in Chicago. Yeah, so that he might get tapped on the shoulder. He did, of course, win uh, his Michigan primary fairly comfortably.
1: Um, Although there was 15% who wrote uncommitted on the ballot papers. Mm, yeah.
0: I mean, look, the, the primary process for Biden is fa- fairly simple. It's just mm. just a matter of whether he's going to run or whether he can be tapped on the
1: shoulder. Um, uh, the significance of that 15% is that Michigan uh, is the most um, uh, Arab and Muslim state in the United States, and yeah, there's the, a lot of pushback is... against... Um, uh, what they see is the inadequacy of the US government's response to Israel. So uh, 15% people writing uncommitted is probably a, a, a little danger sign as to whether you're going to get pe- these people to turn out and vote for you in a general election. Uh, I think there's, there's danger generally for all governments of
0: the left around um, uh, support for Israel. I think there's, a, there's, a, there's potential threats for the Labor um, party in Australia, um, and, uh, and and certainly as we've seen in the, in the British Labour Party um, as well, I, 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 particularly in, in 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 most democratic countries where there is um, um, uh, non-mandatory voting, voluntary voting. Uh, it, I think uh, what what's happening in Israel, oh, sorry, what's happening in Gaza might have a, a significant impact on on how big their turnouts are. Um, <clears throat> look, are, are we dealing with something that uh, is of this moment and not necessarily of a moment in November?
1: Hard to know. Yeah. We, we, we don't know what will be happening in Gaza in November. We, so we, we, really we simply to pick- don't
0: know. There's no way of knowing. I mean, we've got both sides, um, Hamas and, uh, uh, and, and the Netanyahu government, um, uh, walking back from are walking back the expectations of a ceasefire in the last 24 hours. Um, a ceasefire must come but how, how uh, at some point, but uh, how enduring it is is anybody's guess. Um, so these are big problems pre- for pre- the left going g- g- around the world with, with so many elections this year. Uh,
1: President Biden said he expects uh, there to be a ceasefire by the end of the weekend, so by you know, Monday.
0: And and that's an indication, if nothing else, of the fact that Biden sees this as a serious political problem for him. Um, Just moving into Michigan, uh, where, of course, he was elected – or he won, not elected, but he won the primary in in Michigan. A Democratic strategist in Michigan uh, who backs Biden and was granted anonymity to speak candidly said, um, uh, Democrats are in trouble because every day – as violence in Gaza continues, getting those voters back becomes more of a challenge for Biden. And that's it, yeah. in a nutshell. It's not just not just Michigan. Um, it's it's a lot of blue states. It's a lot of swing states, and all about. And, and these
1: things are all about the turnout. Well, they're about the turnout because they're they're about a minority, a majority of uh, of people in the United Kingdom and the United States, more or less back. Um, uh, the, the, their government's approach to being supportive of Israel up to a point. Yeah. Um, so, but there's a minority of people who oppose that, a very noisy minority of people who oppose that, and they tend to be voters in the blue areas, in the in the left area. So that's a problem for two. Where, where turnout's important, it becomes a problem. Compulsory voting is not such a big issue, but with um, uh, uh turnout elections it is
0: uh yes it is and look uh, while australia does have uh, a mandatory voting um it, it it continues to have uh emba- sort of embarrassing sort of problems for the labor party in australia too so these are these are issues that affect left-wing governments all around the world um meanwhile jack um, uh, uh, donald trump uh flogged uh, Nikki Haley in her home state, South Carolina, there was still a fairly significant vote for her, wasn't there? Um, but in her home state, there's no way of uh, <clears throat> polishing that turd and saying she's uh, she's done okay. But she she's continuing in the race, and uh, and the Republicans go to um, Michigan over the weekend.
1: Yeah, um, there's a bit of an argument that Nikki Haley's staying in the race. Uh, For this reason, that if Trump were to lose the election this year, because he will be the nominee, if he were to lose the election this year, that would place her um, in the number one slot to be the candidate in 2028. Yeah, she seems to have a bit of money behind her. I
0: know it's the Koch brothers or the um, the, the group that uh, was at the Heritage Foundation to get behind them. They, they stopped donations to Nikki Haley after the South Carolina loss um, and the money will be drying up. And yes. that's going to be the big problem, isn't it, eventually? if She'll get to Michigan. If she's well beaten there, I think that should do it. Um, uh, but um, uh, we will see. Um, there, there's just a glimmer. That she might do okay in
1: uh, in Michigan. By the way, just a glimmer in some of the polling. Yeah, there's, there's also been some suggestions from the from the polling that perhaps some of her support's coming from um, uh, the other side of the aisle. So we should, should we say.
0: That? Yeah, but the Mi- Michigan primary. It, it, to, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but Michi- Michigan primary is an open primary, um, Republican yeah. primary. So yeah, I mean it can still, you know, people can still vote. Uh, voluntarily, there, regardless of uh, their background. Um, so, um, yeah, could, wonder what
1: they can be. Re- they can be Republicans for a day. Yes, they can pretend they're Republicans. They pop on a red hat,
0: go down the, go down the, uh, go down the, the polling booth. Um, no, look, I, I think if she loses, that would be enough. I, I just, you know, it, it'll end up costing her uh, more money than she's probably got if she wants to persist. Um, but she's clearly frustrating Trump, and uh, and we know this because he's uh, he, he's uh, giving her a bit of abuse
1: along the way. Um, we shall see. That, we'll that, that that always is the biggest tell. If someone's having some effect on you, that you keep talking about them, um, it's why why we know that um, Peter Dutton's actually being quite effective because the Labor government can't shut up about him at the moment yeah I, I I think that's part of a more considered tactic but I should have lost their way.
0: It was like, oh we don't really care about the opposition uh, we're, we're we're above them we' we're, we're above, above the the dirty politics where we would slander and abuse our opponents and they said hang on, what are we doing here? We're in politics. we should be slandering and abusing our opponents. Um, so I think there's a fair bit more I mean look, Dutton, we did have a news poll this week, Jack. Just very briefly off the off the subject, Dutton's um, approval ratings are very similar to Albanese's, both in the negative, not by too many points. Mm. Um, Labor continues to um, uh, lead fifty two forty eight two party preferred. Um, uh, there was a, a big headline around um, about about L- uh, Labor losing the primary vote race. Uh, with the coalition, but the coalition's been in front in the primary vote race for several months now. Um, And that's not really – their vote needs to be around 40% if they're going to win, and they're around about 36% at the moment.
1: Um, Yeah. My view of this hasn't changed. I think it's very unlikely they can win the next election. But if you keep talking about him, the reason you're doing that is because he's actually making an impact. All right, the Trump New York fraud case, Jack. Uh, would you like to cry some tears
0: for Donald Trump, who's a bit lighter in the wallet now? He hasn't paid any of these things, of course. You know, he hasn't yet. I think he's up for about 450 US million dollars um, and a ban on conducting his business for three years um, are, are we going to cry some crocodile tears for him, Jack? I know you've quoted Richard, rich Lowry, who's uh, he writes for what's the Nation Review, isn't it? And, and uh, he's person. gone. Oh, this is a terrible thing because it could happen to any. Because if this happens to Trump,
1: it could happen to anybody else. Um, well, it is an unusual thing. Um, uh, there, there's no precedent for this uh, for what for what's happened, uh, and there's a, it's a victimless crime in the sense that. No one says they've lost any money. Um, so it is something. I don't think it will stand up on appeal, to be quite honest. You said that last no. week. Yeah, we'll see about that. Deutsche Bank said, look, who are the lenders? They said, we don't care. Um, and, they got uh, their money back. Uh, and, and they not only did they get their money back um, uh, with interest, they'd be happy to do business with him again. Yeah, well, I think they do. Yeah.
0: Hmm. So, um, look. These, these are going to cause problems. Um, you know, we've got the criminal indictments that look increasingly like they will be pushed back beyond the election or, well, with the with the possible exception of the New York slush fund matter. Um, the others may well uh, just, be pushed just back some beyond the news, next election.
1: Just, just, just some breaking news on that. The Supreme Court has announced, uh, the Supreme Court of the United States has announced that they will hear the Trump application for a presidential shield um, uh, on the that that's a shield of uh, all actions taken while he's president. They'll hear those arguments on April twenty two. Gee, whiz, he's in for? A,
0: he's in for a rough year next year if he loses the election, mate. <laughs> he's looking at you know ninety odd criminal indictments, ninety one criminal indictments, and they'll all fall out next year. So he's uh, he's uh, all in on this. Um, but look. The financial stuff is probably more important um, right now because these criminal indictments are, are being cast off into the um, distant, distant future. Um, and, uh, and, and Trump's ability to be able to um, uh, fight an election. Um, with with financial support, I mean, to have the have the money to do it, and it's basically a multi billion dollar exercise these days. Biden's got plenty; he's got a decent old war chest. But um, but um, a, a lot of the money that's gone into the to the Trump um, packs and, and through donations there is being spent on uh, being
1: spent on lawyers and uh, and fines. So we might have a competition, a race between one candidate who hasn't got the money to do it and another candidate who has got the money but can't go out and campaign.
0: Uh, yeah, like you would be doing it from the Delaware. uh would be doing it from the Delaware uh, basement, I'm sure. Um, uh, moving on just to matters economic in the, in the United States, Jack, we want to talk about small business very briefly, and, and it's one of those things that doesn't get touched on very much. We talk about our own small business here and their significant contrib- contribution to the economy. But in the States, 33 million, more than 33 million small businesses exist and gainfully employ 62 million Americans, nearly
1: 50% of the private sector, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so much of the, so much of the media coverage and political um, activity revolves around looking after the big companies, um, and that I think is an error. Yeah,
0: it is something that we've probably, uh, you know, we, we we might be ahead of the Americans in in political terms. I mean, it seems to me that the Liberal Party has. Uh, pretty much forsaken big business uh, as a, um, a as a supporter, and they're going down that small business pathway. It is a sort of you know sort of a desperate uh, look for a constituency that they haven't always had. Um, but yeah, we, we there are I guess there are profound concerns around attaching yourself to big corporates these days. Yeah, I
1: like think there are. Uh, and, and, and because I think I think big corporates like playing at politics but aren't very good at it. I, 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 yeah
0: it's a really interesting point. I mean we did see a number of big corporates line up for the voice uh, and that seemed to be more of a problem for the yes vote. Uh, than it was for the no vote. I remember that I think one of the two major supermarkets, either Coles or Woolworths, uh, were playing um, sort of promotional stuff around the voice in their supermarkets, received a number of complaints and then turned it all off. Um, Yeah, I think there's a sort of touchy-feely sort of sense around corporate governance um, and, and corporate identity. Um, that um, that it does not sit well with your average Australian if that
1: person actually exists. Yes. Well, they found that... Well, I'm the voice as an example. They, the big corporates found themselves at odds with a pretty clear majority of people. Like I say... They want to play politics, but they don't have the skills to play politics. Yeah, there's that, but there's also the fact that
0: I mean, look, if, if you're a, if you're a customer of a bank, or a customer of a supermarket, and let's face it, it's just everybody, um, they're probably not your best friends. You know, you, you know, you go to the you go to the self serve checkout, and it basically accuses you of conducting a bit of theft, or you applied for a loan uh, through one of the big fours and got knocked back. Um, it's not that kind of relationship, Jack. No, um, it's it's a it's a it's a customer um, customer up against a big, large, powerful institution. Uh, if it's a, a purely it's transactional different. relationship. There it's is no sure love. Is. Mm. All right. Meanwhile, Jack, in France, um, uh, France has expelled a radical imam who made unacceptable remarks about the country's flag. It's a t- tricolor, Jack. <laughs> How yeah. dare he? So this is Majoube Majoubi. Uh, he p- appeared to call the French flag satanic, <laughs> red, white, and blue. Gee whiz, there's a fair few flags uh, bearing those colours, including her uh, Called the French flag satanic in a video event, and uh, he got bundled up into a van for his
1: trouble and punted out of the country. He did. He lived in France for thirty six years. Um, uh, he couldn't have been a citizen, happened. I presume. Was he a French citizen? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, um, I but don't the th- French, I think the, the, the French are, are always untroubled by worries about the European Court of Human Rights or anything like this, they just ignore it. I love the French. They go right ahead and, uh, and deal with it the way they think it ought to happen. They always have done this and they always will.
0: So Majoube, Majoube who actually uh, almost four decades ago uh, came from Tunisia to France, um, has been sent back. He was arrested uh, after the video uh, circulated showing him describing a tricolor flag as satanic and saying it has no value with Allah. Uh, the Im- imam later said he was sorry. I bet he is. If he had caused any offence, arguing that his remarks about the flag were a slip of the tongue. Hmm,
1: interesting. Uh, but it didn't do him any good, Jack. No. Get no, in the no, track. No, the, the, the French don't mess, don't mess about, man.
0: Yeah,
1: all right. Um uh, in the United Kingdom,
0: Jack, um, uh, there was a very chaotic scene. And we haven't actually covered this, the the Gaza debate uh, in in the UK, sorry, in the Commons, in the House of Commons in, in the
1: British Parliament, Jack. It was an absolute disaster. Have you seen the footage of it? Yeah. But just let me take you through exactly what happened. The Scottish National Party put up a proposal... Um, uh, to, for the house to call for an immediate ceasefire, that would have, split, and the reason they did this because this was going to split the Labor Party vote um, uh, between the people who um, uh, absolutely want a, a, a ceasefire at any cost, and the people who are basically supportive of of, of Israel. Keir Starmer's is trying to, the Labour leader, is trying to kind of straddle two horses a little bit. He wants to keep on board the far left group we were talking about before who yes. are uh, sort of pretty much pro-Hamas, um, but also understand that the majority of Britons um, are, are basically pro-Israel on this. Um, and that's why the SNP motion went up. Um, The Labor leader went and spoke to the Speaker Mm. and asked, could he bend the rules to allow a Labor amendment to be put so that the Labor people could vote for that rather than the SNP um, um, uh, motion? Yes. And and the Speaker, uh, to his discredit, um, uh, agreed with that. Mm. He says, because he had been receiving briefings, Um, that allowing that vote to go ahead would put MPs at risk. Um, So we had a a big kerfuffle arising out of that.
0: Well, it's a reasonable point. I mean, we have had, I think, two um, uh, UK MPs killed in office, um, uh, murdered uh, while in office. So that's
1: that's actually a reasonable point to make, Jack. Yeah, but but I, I don't think as a country you can allow the threat to kill to determine what's debated in the Commons and what gets voted on. It was uproarious scenes in the Commons. Is uh, the speaker still still got a heartbeat? Hasn't he? He, he hasn't gone. Oh, yeah, yet. yeah, he'll, he, he'll survive. But he's um, uh, uh, but he's. Probably going to going to retire, I would think he won't. You know. The tr- tradition is, is in the UK that whilst you're Speaker, the other uh, major party that you no longer sit in the party room while you're Speaker, and that's the same in Australia, really. Um, but whilst you're Speaker, um, if you're a Labor Party person, the Conservatives won't stand a candidate against you at the next election, for instance. So you just hold your seat, um, uh, your sail straight through unopposed. Um, but that and, that and he's a Tory. He's a Tory, isn't he? He's a Tory. No, he's a he's a Labour. He a Labor was a Labour Party. Party So how
0: did that get up? How did it, how, how did a, um, a Tory government with a significant majority, which it has, um, appoint a Labour speaker? It was thought that he was the most suitable person. Oh, that's, that is unusual compared to Australia, where you always, I mean, unless you've got a hung parliament, where you always get a, uh, a fellow from the from, from, from sitting on the tre- treasury benches, he or she, uh, will be nominated on the numbers. Uh, so there you go. There's a bit that I've learned about that today, Jack. So what's going to happen? Is this exposing, as we talked about, Starmer's vulnerability
1: on the left? Uh, it is a bit. He got through, um, got through that day with 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 some help from the speaker, um, but the, that doesn't mean the problem's gone away. You know, every day in the Guardian, there's another piece saying, you know, um, uh, what 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 Starmer and the Labor Party are doing is wrong, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they they're, they're going to face, as you said before, continuing attacks from within their own support, so their own support base. And, and that's a tricky one to handle. While we speak of
0: the Guardian, don't let me forget to mention the Guardian's cricket writing, Jack, after uh, England's th- um, series loss, now confirmed in India. Um, uh, it, uh, it, um, yeah, it was some of the most delusional uh, writing I've seen in a long time where they just dis- oh, decided... Be, you couldn't be, tr-
1: couldn't be talking about Barney Rana, could you?
0: Oh, <laughs> my God. We'll get to anyway. it. We, we should we, Yes, we shouldn't get. But but the, the so. good four hundred loss,
1: four hundred run lost um, yeah. was 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 the was the phrase that so, go for me. So uh, essentially, Starmer's problem, and, and this is mm. going to be a problem in the United States as well, is that he understands that the majority position is pretty much supportive of Israel, but he's got a a, a noisy and nasty minority who are saying no, we're pro Hamas. But yeah. how does he how does he reconcile those two things all right and look he is um, looking very very strong position
0: with polling showing he the, the Labor party has a majority um, uh, would have a majority uh, well have a significant majority but they get they're getting over 50 percent of the vote. Um, uh, we could talk. I was almost going to say primary vote, but that's all there is in, in the UK. So over fifty percent of the yeah. vote there, and and looking like the Sunak government is basically on a death march. Meanwhile, Jack in Europe around NATO, Hungary's parliament overwhelmingly approved Sweden's bid to join NATO on Monday, clearing the way for the Nordic nation's accession to the alliance after nearly two years of intense negotiations, mainly involving yeah. Turkey. So that will um, now go ahead, and the the Swedes will join the
1: Finns in NATO very soon, Jack. Yeah, that, the the Hungarian uh, vote was the last remaining hurdle. So um, yeah, the, uh, the, the Swedes and, and are in. Yeah, they will be, and and um,
0: and that um, uh, and that also the the, the issues with uh, the Turks were were Turkeya, I should say, Jack. Uh, were uh, have been sort of ironed over a bit. So these two countries, I mean, when we talk about Putin's folly, this is one. This is part of it. Um, Putin's folly in Ukraine. Um, uh, two countries who were absolutely devoted to not joining NATO, S- S- Sweden and Finland. Uh, after all these years, have put their hands up and said, "Yeah, we're in." And of course, Finland. Um, shares a border with Russia.
1: Uh, yeah, um, uh, you can knock Vladimir all you like, but isn't he a unifying force? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. Well, it,
0: it, when the, in the early stages of the invasion of Ukraine, I think we discussed this at the time, and 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 the the big question was just how is unified is Europe on this, and I, and I think the answer overall has been pretty strong.
1: Yes, there is some growing impatience with yeah. the stale, mate, that it's, um, and, and there's some um, uh, backwards and forwards about, okay, we've gotten this far, but what do we do now? But, yes, they are unified. All right, moving on to
0: energy again, but this time in Europe, um, and it relates to um, a tax credit screen, tax, sorry, tax credit scheme proposed by President Biden um, at four hundred billion into subsidies for EVs. Um, China has funneled massive amounts of money into building EVs. They have a significant, they have a significant uh, investment stake there, and manufacturing rolling off the. Uh, uh, vehicles rolling off the uh, off the line, um, and and uh, and Europe, however, is having some problems. Jack,
1: they are, and interestingly, um, there were seventy three major companies from seventeen sectors, including chemicals, pharmaceuticals, engineering, um, assigned what they call the Antwerp Declaration, calling on the EU to relax regulations lower energy costs and increase investment while it still has some industry left. Um, the Antwerp it, it, Declaration,
0: it, it, Jack, that sounds ominous. That's, that's almost it like does, the, um,
1: the uh, defenestration
0: of Prague. Yeah, um, it does. So, um, yes, they're asking them to to relax re- regulations on the net zero. Is that right?
1: Yep, that's oh, right. They're not
0: quite sure. Oh, well, they haven't indicated where um no. so is it around vehicles transport what are we talking about agriculture we know about has been a significant yeah. issue in in the Netherlands in uh, in, in Flanders in Belgium uh, also in Germany now uh, and the French farmers are well they're never happy but they take to the streets you know for a bit of a day off yeah
1: um- Uh, The agricultural battle sort of already been lost. uh, Ursula von der Leyen's already indicated that she'll be walking back um, uh, the regulations in that regard. Um, But it's becoming clear that in the manufacturing industries of various kinds, that European manufacturers um, uh, are unhappy, uh, terminally unhappy, if you like, that, that they are having higher energy costs than their competitors in China. We're still seeing energy costs. Well, let's
0: talk about just the, the price of petrol in this country, which is back up to about two bucks a litre. Um, and 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 a lot of this is driven by the Ukrainian conflict, of course, isn't
1: it? It is. Um, but what's happening in What's happening in manufacturing in Europe is that um, uh, the the Chinese are burning coal and, and using cheap energy, and the Europeans have been told, "No, you can't do that. Uh, you've got to use expensive energy," and they don't like it. Yeah. Okay. All right.
0: Um, we're going to go to sport, Jack. Um, just an hour into the show, um, there's a bit bit to discuss there. Uh, Taran Thomas, um, a North Melbourne player. Um, I, I saw um, uh, he, he was. Uh, 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 the subject of a mural around North Melbourne, um, his photo around the club uh, has been taken down. The mural's been, has uh, well, basically disappeared and painted over. Um, Teren Thomas, of course, has been. Um, uh, have we got to? Have we got to criminal status there, Jack? In terms of domestic violence, there are a number of claims made about him that he is not. Rejected, he's put his hand up for in terms of domestic violence in in the home setting.
1: I'm not aware of any um, uh, uh, criminal proceedings, but certainly there are AFL proceedings underway.
0: Mm. Um, And uh, and that's basically it. He's been essentially scrubbed from the uh, scrubbed from the AFL record. Certainly, certainly North Melbourne Footy Club believes that's the case. Um, I don't know if you saw an article written by Russell Jackson Jack uh, around um, some uh, some awful uh, revelations about um, uh, teachers within the state education department uh, who were uh, abusing sexually abusing kids um, there was a Victorian inquiry into this around the Bay Morris primary school very limited inquiry but it's clear that there were uh, more extensive, uh, numbers of offending teachers and so forth, and and like the Catholic Church, they would just simply once the once the protests became too loud, they would um, they would um, um, they, 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 they would just shuffle the teachers on. But the thing, and then that was a great story, and Russell Jackson's a wonderful journalist. But the the thing that caught my eye, Jack, was around the Little League uh, that a number of these teachers ended up. Running the little league, and you and I will remember it. Certain people they have Oz kicked now and have had for many, many years. But in the old days, uh, when uh, when we were when we were watching our footy uh, at the grounds, every half time, uh, the two competing sides would be represented by I think about an under ten uh, outfit. They were generally taken from schools they were changed pretty much week from week, schools and sporting clubs. And so, if you went to see Carlton and Collingwood, then Carlton and Collingwood would play in the Little League match at halftime. Um, and uh, it's 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 clear um, that there were a number of active pedophiles in and around that competition. And to make it even more chilling, those kids would come in to have a shower after they'd played their halftime game and everyone else was watching the footy because the men were back on the ground watching, in the, watching the third quarter while these guys were monstering um, monstering these kids, I believe St Kilda was extremely bad, but I think a lot of the the um, the old suburban clubs have got some uh, difficult um, have got some some questions to answer about uh, what they were doing in terms of protecting kids. There are also allegations around the Under Nineteen competition, and 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 uh, and and kids uh, playing there could be as young as fourteen or fifteen. Being abused, there was a Western Bulldogs uh, player in that under nineteen competition as a younger boy, younger teen, um, and he's made a claim, or a successful claim, in the New South uh, sorry in the Victorian Supreme Court, and uh, and uh, a, a multi million dollar damages um, um, have been awarded. How long? It's a very long. It's a very long run up there, Jack. But how long can the VFL sorry the AFL uh, ignore it's what is what is clearly a, a, a massive liability for them.
1: Oh, I don't think very long at all. Um, the 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 case involving the I think he was um, not sure he was a volunteer or an employee at the footscray the old footscray a the
0: volunteer uh, sort of team manager
1: with the under 19s Yeah, yeah, um, and. I saw some of the evidence, um, and the former president, Footscray, had to give evidence, etc., etc. It was all very embarrassing, really. Um, It's it's not the most surprising thing I've ever heard that uh, where you have um, kids' sport like this, that you attract some part of the people who help out with this um, uh, who might have pedophilic inst- instincts, that this has sort of been happening as long as so, these sort of things have been happening, you know? Yeah,
0: this, this sort of predi- this, this predatory behaviour um, will draw will draw these offenders
1: into sport, Um activity. There's lots, lots, of hel- lots, lots of very good people who go and help out with these sports, but you'll also Absolutely. always have yeah. some small part of them. Yeah, but with, with the case of the Western Bulldogs um, uh,
0: victim... Uh, the club had to do all the talking. The the club had to take on all the, the liability. And, and, and I think now with some of these revelations around the Little League competition and some of the issues around the under-19 competitions, and it's not just in the Western Bulldogs, St Kilda seems to have had a signi- really significant problem. Um, and there will be civil actions arising from that. Like, you know, it, it, it's just the AFL has been able to look the other way and go la, la 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 nothing to do with us. And I just I think that the day is is, 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 is that that day is coming to an end, and the AFL will have yeah. to deal with this.
1: Um, um, it, it also might be time for some of the sports organisations like the AFL and the NRL to get off their um, their high horse. And admit that they are full of um, flawed human beings, like every other institution and organisation in the country. I'd also
0: add um, that the uh, that Russell Jackson's uh, revelations on the ABC website, if you're looking for it, listeners, um, about and it was and it ran as a uh, as a segment in uh, their seven thirty program. Uh, uh, the behaviour of the education department. Uh, uh, in 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 regard to this, was so similar to the Catholic Church. The first thing I thought of when I was reading these things, and I know Russell quite well, and 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 we discussed this before it had gone to print on some of the matters, um, is that is that as I said before, they behaved exactly like we know that the Catholic Church did. Um, uh, in schools, uh, in in uh, in and around churches, and 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 when, and when the complaints from uh, from parishioners became too loud, they would just simply shuffle the people on. The thing that caught my mind, caught my eye, was well, the question that caught my that came straight to my mind was, why wasn't the royal commission looking into this? These are all historic offences. They're going back to the same sorts of periods that we were looking at. Uh, in the Royal Commission, and I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, what what Russell has actually done is gone back and, and looked through. I mean, he's interviewed victims and he's interviewed, you know, club officials and and uh, and teach, other teachers that taught with these with these uh, peds. Um but essentially he's gone back through back copies of the truth and the age to find these guys actually before the courts. Some as early as 1970, I think 75, uh, and then uh, and, and, and then uh, many of them being um, being convicted of historic offending um, in the in the 1990s and, and 2000s. Or again, should have been grist for Mill for the Royal Commission. It's almost like I can hear a Jared Henderson uh, column coming out saying uh, there really was a Catholic bias, an anti-Catholic bias in the Royal Commission.
1: Yeah, well, there was a, a lot of publicity before the Royal Commission was called about what was happening in the Catholic Church. So perhaps the Royal Commission Commissioner has thought that's what they needed to investigate. <laughs>
0: um, all right, well, it's one to watch. And, and it's going to be a big story this year, listeners, I can tell you that, driven a lot, a lot by the a journalist from Russell Jackson, fantastic journalist, very handy uh, fast bowler for Frankston back in the day too. Um, but um, uh, there will be more revelations coming about this where the VFL, the a- I kept saying VFL, where the AFL uh, who, were, who were the uh, successors of the VFL will now not be able to look the other way and pretend this is, this hasn't happened.
1: It, it, it was always foolish um, uh, even while the Royal Commission was running to think that the Catholic Church's problems were peculiar to them. that this is the sort of thing that happens in lots of organisations where you have that opportunity, that you attract people who will want to take advantage of that opportunity um, and 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 the and the natural instinct of most of those organisations is to protect the institution rather that than to protect. That is always the-, the way, isn't it? That's the behaviour you you've got to change. Hmm. Yes,
0: you will have, unfortunately. I mean, we can we can go about the various prevention things, um, but uh, where you do have offenders in an environment where kids are. Um, uh, it, it's perhaps almost um, um, uh, predictable that that will occur. But where the failures occur is the people who oversee them and and them saying, well, my first instinct is to protect the institution rather than the rights of the child or the victim. And that's the behaviour you need to break down. You're, I, I, my view is you should criminalise it. You know, if you if you learn of an offence and you do nothing, you do not, you do not report it to police. I, I believe that should be a criminal offence, and that should come with a fairly long jail term.
1: Yeah, I need to think lock about a that. few
0: school principals up, mate, and I
1: guarantee you the behaviour will change. Yeah, I, I, I need to think think that through, but yes, but that's the, that's the behaviour you got to change. That's correct.
0: Yeah, totally. and, and
1: and it was it was never um, a, a pe- absolutely peculiar to the to the Catholic Church. It exists.
0: Right oh, well, the, the Royal Commission walked us through the behaviour of the Anglican Church. I mean, a whole raft of bodies swimming Australia when we look at the sports. Salvation swimming Australia, Army. Terrible. Yeah, Salvation Army, awful. Um, um, uh, yeah, a whole raft of religious and and, um, and non-religious institutions uh, where kids weren't safe. Just overall, I mean, if we go back in that period, that, is, that, that period of historic offending, and really we can't go much back Before World War II, there's just not a lot there in terms of criminal convictions to show any evidence of this going on. I'm sure it did, but we don't know the extent of it. But there seemed to be this kind of epidemic of this kind of offending that occurred post-war, starting around about the 50s, uh, moving in the 60s and 70s. uh, all right. Well, that's just that, just, just,
1: just before know. we leave the little league, I got to tell you, I hardly ever saw it. Generally, at half time, I was around the back of the press box there, um, uh, lining up for two. Cans of Victor Bravo on yeah. a pie. There was always
0: there was always that, um, but uh, there would be those who weren't um, availing themselves of the uh, grounds catering services who watch the kids go around. I, I remember the, in the early days they wouldn't put the, the the cones out, so they were actually playing on a you know a, a, a normal size ground. <laughs> didn't didn't get a lot of scoring going on. Um, I knew a couple of blokes who played um I think uh, my good mate Peter uh, played for North Melbourne um, in the Little League um, but as I say they, they essentially pulled kids from around local schools and and local sporting clubs and uh, it was uh, unfortunately and terribly um, uh, prone
1: to uh, prone to pedophilia um yeah well, <laughs> It brought back some fond memories of the press box wings at Princess Park, the old wooden press box with the, the pie store at the back. Oh, look! Uh, the
0: the current system they have with uh, with the Auskick Kick is is actually terrific, um, uh, and and we don't want to sort of make it, you know, extend the the, the issue around this, which is historical offending against kids, uh, into that Auskick Kick thing, which is very very different now. And uh, I'd like to it's, think a lot better supervised and those people. It's one of the for- great
1: sporting organisations, kick It is yeah. just so well organised. And and, um, and, and uh, the people are involved in they've got to have WorkSafe
0: for Kids certificates. Yeah. So, you know, we've at least worked that problem through. Over to the cricket, Jack, and uh, quickly do me a uh, favour and – Hit cricket info if you can, and give me the score in uh, New Zealand in Wellington. I, I haven't
1: got. I haven't got cricket in, info. They were one and, for um,
0: sixty two. I might be able to help you out here. Um, uh, they were one for sixty two with Smith out. Now they are one forty seven for four. The the, uh, the Black Caps won the toss. Came Cade Williamson won the toss and put Australia in, and um, uh, Smith out for about twenty odd. you he know, got thirty one. Uh, Manus. Uh, Manus' fairly lean run has continued. He was out for one. Uh, Cameron Green not out 23. Travis Head bundled out for one. He's had a fairly slim time of it in test cricket in the last three or four tests. But, um, yeah, it's starting to look uh, like uh, the, the, the like the Black Caps uh, might have uh, made the right decision in putting Australia in. Must yeah, Cain Williams of is the, the key. Ka- Kane Williams is the key for Mark. Uh, yeah, he is in a rich vein of form. Usman Khawaja is the one I mentioned. Uh, is the one I didn't mention. He was uh, bowled for thirty three. Looked to be very, very comfortable uh, in the first half an hour or so, but uh, he got knocked over as well. I, I still look at that Australian batting lineup, and I just, I just don't. I'm not happy with people batting in the wrong places. Um, and and particularly smith opening I, I i just don't think that's going to be good for him or australian cricket um,
1: now now getting on to barney rano what did what did barney say wrong in the guardian oh there was that's
0: just a, it was like just leave us alone we're having we're we're actually going really well even though we're getting belted i mean he talked about and he, he actually mentioned that there was there was a good 400 run loss in the third test um and um, yeah, they were well beaten, and they have been like Australia has been in India, bundled out. That's 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 the problem. I think they ran for hundred and twenty four uh, in Rosecott in the second dig, and hundred and twenty two in the uh, the test uh, before that third test, and that's the problem. It's not baseball. It's not whether there's baseball or not. Um, uh, in the second dig, there they were um. They were scoring about two and a half and over. Um, so it's, they, not, uh, it's not, not anything to do with baseball, but their to like Australia's can be,
1: too, particularly in India, too brittle. They had a very bad third day. They lost seven for 35, the last seven wickets for 35 runs. And then um, uh, I think a mistake you identified, uh uh, ben Stokes should have opened with James Anderson, but didn't, and the, and the Indians rattled off none for forty off eight overs at the end of the day, and that set up the victory. Really,
0: yeah, Rohit Sharma, the Indian captain and opening bat, would have uh, looked at um, uh, would have looked at the spinners coming there with a new, nut, inexperienced lot who've done very well, by the way. The the mm. slow bowling team, England's sl- slow bowling team, they've actually done pretty well, and it would have learned a hell of a lot along the way. Um, especially, especially if you're going to bowl like row Rohit Sharma, he's going to hit you all over
1: the park, and he did. As, especially if um, they, they bowled him back into form, effectively. But all all those young spinners have hardly played any county cricket. And uh, this was something that Brendan McCullum uh,
0: uh, spoke of because he's wondering if they're going to get any county cricket when they go back, Jack.
1: So, so Hartley, Hartley's um, place for Lancashire, and Lancashire have signed Nathan Lyon. So, will he get a bowl while Nathan Lyon's there? Um, and uh, the other fellow, Showab, um, uh, he's understudy to Jack Leach at Somerset. So, he won't get a bowl either. Yeah,
0: there's a problem there. But there's also a problem with the, with the county setup too. You got four day crickets, You're not going to, you know, it's 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 just not a great format for developing slow bowlers. No. <laughs> um, all right. Um, look, it's been a great series. I, I've actually watched um, pretty much all of the tests uh, in, in India. Um, we, uh, we should talk about the great uh, emerging opener, Well. We don't want to put too much on him, but his numbers as a junior cricketer and in first-class cricket, he's the uh, uh, youngest player to score a double century in uh, India's first-class competition for Mumbai. Um, uh, and I know we think, oh, you know, in the old days, some of uh, India's first-class cricket wasn't perhaps uh, all that high a standard, but is now. Um, it's very competitive now. Uh, very competitive. What's now. it called? So, the Ranchi Trophy. Ranji Trophy, isn't it? Ranji Trophy. That's right. And uh, he, I think he first came to the eyes of everyone when he made a three hundred odd in junior cricket um, in um, uh, as a fifteen-year-old. Extraordinary story, Jack. This. Young man, he's twenty, just turned twenty-three. He spent um, well. He, he grew up in a large household. His father, I think, ran a, a hardware store. I think he's the middle and probably third or fourth um, uh, child in a fa- in, 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 with with five other siblings. Um, they identified his. The family's obviously identified his, and this is in Uttar Pradesh. Um, they identified his abilities as a cricketer even then, sent him down to be billeted to um, to a local businessman in Mumbai and apparently that all fell through. And so he spent essentially the next three years of his life, between the ages of 10 and 13, living in tents and, and uh, whipping out a bit of, well, he'd be almost like a pie boy at, at the MCG, but, but uh, around the, the Mumbai Stadium, he was basically making... You know, sort of deep fried treats and things like that for the, for the ponies. Basically, uh, then, then 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 it was realised, and one of the sort of um, mentors of Indian cricket sort of grabbed the kid and made him a power of attorney. By the way, so. I'd like to have a look at his contracts for a well because the world is going to boot a path to, to this kid's door. I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but and I suggested to you in a text the other day he could be he could be India's Bradman. Jeez, he's bad, he's beautifully. He's got the two double hundreds in successive tests. Who else has done that, Jack? I uh, can't think of anyone who's done that. D.G. Bradman is one who did it, yeah. uh, although the, albeit a bit older. And then there was another Indian cricketer who but none of the none of the big names—not a—not a not a, a Tendulkar.
1: The, um, uh, the 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 keeper's interest got an interesting story as well. Oh, yeah. Jurev, um, yeah, he, he um, who, won the, who rightly won the man of the match for the last test, um, uh, he comes from a, a perhaps more well-to-do family, but his father didn't want him to be a cricketer because his father wanted him to go up and do an MBA or something like that. Doctor. And, you know, a doctor. Would have been a doctor. So Yeah, it will be a doctor or something. Um, so um, he he sort of told his father he wasn't playing cricket anymore. Um, and, and his father's reading the paper that one, more, one morning and says, hey, there, there's a jury of kid who's making a lot of runs. He's got the same <laughs> name as you, you know. <laughs> how how quickly the the worm will
0: turn there. And and this is something Usman Khawaja talks about. For for, Southern Asian players, people of Southern Asian descent who come and play cricket in Australia, often the parents will go, we would like you to go and be a doctor. Don't play cricket. Don't waste your time playing cricket. But now they're seeing through people like Khawaja, oh, there's a future here. There's a future in this. Um, it's going to be a lot harder than being a doctor, you know. You, a lot of things can go wrong, but but um, yeah, it's why we're starting to see a lot more Southern Asian cricketers in our uh, in our domestic comps, and
1: hopefully uh, at the at the top level. Yeah, well, Jas- Jasper Bumra was um, uh, was discovered bowling on us on the street. Yeah, yeah. And he came from
0: very, very difficult background. His mother he's looked after because he makes good money now. Um, you know, his, his mother basically had to raise about seven kids. Um mm. so there are these but, extraordinary stories about behind but behind some I of th- the th- Indian. I, I think it might have been Ravi,
1: talent. I think it might have been Ravi Shastri who found him bowling on the street and said, this kid this kid can actually bowl. Uh, and
0: can't he I mean he's just a ripper um, and, uh, and getting good players out for mine, England uh, continued to be too reliant on Joe Root, um, he, who is class and showed his class in the first innings of the fourth test. Um, uh, really a, a, a century made from, surely from from, uh, from just will. He willed himself to get to get to a hundred beautiful knock um, uh, but there's just not enough quality around him. Pope hasn't made a run. Um, he probably will go to the go to the dark net and try and buy some there, but um, he's, he's 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 struggling. Um, well, he did and, make 196 a couple of tests ago. No, no, that's Duckett. Duckett made the big hundred. Pope hasn't made a run for a long time, um, and his side, his position, on the side might be a little bit of a an issue. And stakes. I mean, if you're not bowling, you're not making runs, you know, you're going to continue to pick him. So those are the vulnerabilities. They're the same vulnerabilities about English cricket that have been around for a long time, including during the, the Joe Root era, um, and, um, and that is this brittleness one, two, three. You got Root at four, um, and Crawley's obviously a good player. I think Duckett, or, Duckett made the big hundred in the first test. Um, he he you know, delights in the fact he doesn't leave the ball alone. And you know he doesn't leave the ball. Um, he'll have a swing at it, and that just that just tells me that it's going to end in tears because you've got to be able to leave the ball. Anyway, um, I just think that their batting's a bit uh, uh, a little
1: bit shaky. Um, uh, and, uh, missing uh, missing Harry Brook, I would say as well. Yeah, yeah What's
0: happened to him? Why what, is he not playing?
1: He's he's, he's out injured. He's, he's oh, the he's, best. Yeah, he, 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 he and quality. Crawley are the He and Crawley are the best of the next generation. Yeah,
0: well, you'd probably have him in there ahead of Pope, but then you've got to... Look, I think they've shown some pluck. I mean, you know, England has their record against... um, Their record under Joe Root was pretty awful, Uh, and I think now uh, they're sort of break even in terms of win losses and draws. Not many draws... And that's what makes a good cricket to watch. Yeah, um, it is good. Um, and uh, keeps excellent, us going.
1: excellent, excellent entertainment.
0: Yeah, look, if you love test cricket, it's the best way to go about it. But the idea that it's there, you know, that they've got a patent on this way of play. I mean, Adam Gilchrist must be shit. Must be pinching himself. Um, all right, Jack. Now the NRL's gone, gone to Vegas, and I. I haven't had a, I haven't had a long hard look at this. What is going on there? What are they doing? Are they just playing the one game, or what's going on? I think it's just the one game. isn't it? I think it's only the one game, isn't it? I was talking to one of my next door neighbours. He goes, "There might be two games," and he goes, "And then maybe the, those two games they play each other." And he got confused, so I, I, I didn't bother to have a look at it. But um, uh, Manly are playing, and, and is it? But it's. I don't think it's part of the NRL season, is it? Do you know uh, I thought it was but oh, that, it might be see like said it's, it's been very I'm hard to obviously. find
1: all this out they all they just seem to presume that we all know what's going on well it's
0: a it's a perfect uh, perfect uh, forum for Peter Volandis who God bless him he just keeps going look we're the biggest we're the biggest card in Australia I mean it's not true but he keeps saying <laughs> you know he's mm. he, he's he's been a, been an outstanding promoter for the game I'll tell you one thing Jack it's been extremely quiet. Normally by f- the 29th of February or even the 28th of February in any given year, there would have been at least half a dozen NRL disgraces by now. Players uh, found in uh, in uh, various uh, poor circumstances, sometimes a bit of violence, maybe the odd shot fired in nightclubs, those sorts of things. been very quiet this year. There was a bit of biff uh, in the Broncos, um, but... Um, uh, but uh, Peter Valandis, who must have taken this job on thinking any any time my phone rings at two o'clock in the morning between uh, December, January, and February is not going to be a good call, um, has had a pretty easy time of it. But then Jack, there's Vegas and and mm. players players in Vegas, so we might still see a few disgraces. We'll see how we go. We might. All right. Well, that takes us out for the day for Episode 63 of the Two Jacks. I want to thank you all for listening. We did stretch out a sport, but we do like to talk about sport, Jack.
1: Just, oh, you've just got something be, else. Just before we go. Is it go, sport? Uh, no, it's not. Um, uh, it's from the UK Express, um, uh, a story that Meghan Markle would often ring the queen up from the US as the pair enjoyed a close bond. Um, and your your pal, Duncan McNabb, is that his, that his name? Duncan, yeah. yeah. Uh, came back Duncan with. McNabb, yeah. Megan remarked, it was always lovely to chat to her, but she keeps saying, at the third stroke it will be...
0: <laughs> oh, that was his Twitter reply. Good on him, uh, Duncan McNabb. Wonderful man. Um, uh, working for Channel 7, former New South Wales police officer and one very, very significant a uh, studier of Roger Rogerson, and if you want to find out more about Roger Rogerson, you will buy Duncan McNabb's book about him. All right, well, that takes us out. Uh, look, we do have some uh, listeners' comments and things like that. We'll get to those next week, um, but we do encourage you to drop us a line. You can hit me up on Twitter. DM's always open, I'm at Jack the Insider. Uh, and you can hit up Jack too on his Substack. Give, give it to me, Jack. Yeah, hong Kong Jack. There you go. And that's how you get a hold of us and get on the show um, when I stop being lazy and put in listeners' comments. Um, but uh, we'll hear, we'll, we'll definitely hear from people on episode 64. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week.